Chapter Seven of Peggy Raymond's Vacation by Harriet Lemus Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven The Cottage Besieged. Peggy was in high spirits. Ever since her first meeting with Lucy Haynes, she had been haunted by a growing desire to find some practical way of showing her sympathy for the hard-working, ambitious girl. With Peggy, the longing to be helpful was like hunger or thirst, a keen craving whose satisfaction brought a pleasure equally keen. On the drive home, after the picnic, Peggy had questioned Lucy as to the price she received for her berries, and Lucy's answer had caused her to open her eyes. "'Why, that's queer!' we pay twice as much at home yes i know it's the same way with farmer stuff the commission men get a big part of the profits lucy explained it doesn't seem fair when you have to stand hours in the hot sun picking and all they have to do is to set the boxes where folks will see em and they sell like hot cakes wouldn't it be nice peggy stopped abruptly and gave herself up to formulating a delightful and as it seemed to her a perfectly feasible plan namely that a part of lucy's berries at least should be shipped directly to friendly terrace and sold at the market price lucy to receive the entire proceeds less the expense of transportation tired as she was after the exertions and excitement of that eventful picnic peggy could not sleep till she had written a letter to her mother describing her brilliant scheme in detail two days later the rural free delivery wagon brought encouraging news dick had canvassed the houses on both sides of the terrace and nearly every housekeeper had fallen in with peggy's plan everyone seemed pleased at the prospect of getting berries picked only the day before and dick in spite of his responsibilities as first baseman for the junior giants readily undertook to see that the fruit reached its various destinations safely but even now peggy was not satisfied you see girls she explained to the interested circle around the supper table it's just preserving time and the terrace folks will be glad to buy more berries than lucy can possibly pick let's have a bee and help her out she took a day off to drive us to the picnic and it's only fair that we should take a day to work for her it was not necessary for peggy to use her persuasive arts to induce the others to agree to the plan berry picking as an occupation had lost its charm for most of them but berry picking with the generous purpose peggy had suggested was quite another matter after they had calculated lucy's probable profits for a single day if she could be sure of five or six volunteer helpers enthusiasm ran high claire's pensive hope voiced with a sigh that it wouldn't be too blisteringly hot was passed over without comment it was decided to carry a picnic luncheon to the berry pasture and have the hearty meal of the day after their return aunt abigail though heartily approving the plan begged off from joining the party dorothy and i are not quite old enough yet to be of much assistance she said with a funny little grimace we lack the patience that will come with years but aunt abigail ruth protested you couldn't stay here all by yourself you'd be lonely aunt abigail's laugh indicated derision it'll be a pleasant sensation why you chatterboxes keep things in such an uproar that i haven't had a chance for quiet connected thought since i landed here go along i shall be glad to be rid of you the season for the red raspberries was nearly over but the blackberries were ripening fast my but i'm glad they're not blueberries amy confided to peggy think of picking a six-quart pail full of shoe buttons or what amounts to that now blackberries count up the adage that many hands make light work was never better exemplified than on that july day in the berry pasture 
even lucy lost a little of her air of stern resolution and found herself curiously observant of her surroundings as if she were regarding them through the unaccustomed eyes of girls who were city-bred she even joined though with all the awkwardness of a novice in the gay chatter which went on about the laden bushes lucy had always looked on berry-picking as a serious business like life itself she was a little astonished to see these girls turning it into play leavening it with laughter lucy had been brought up on the saying duty first pleasure afterward though in her particular case duty engrossed the day so completely that pleasure was of a necessity postponed to some indefinite future it was a new idea to her that the two might be blended without injury to either hobo who had insisted on joining the party against claire's protests for she was rather boasted of the fact that she was afraid of dogs divided his attention equally between peggy and dorothy peggy he adored but he had an air of feeling responsible for dorothy and as she scampered about the pasture hobo followed her not with any pretext of devotion but much as a faithful nursemaid might have done the girls laughed at his conscientious air as they laughed at everything dorothy said it seemed to lucy she had never seen people who found so many things to laugh about she wondered how it would seem if gaiety were the habit of life instead of the rare exception but though the berry-picking went on with none of the relentless haste which would properly characterize contestants in a marathon race though blackened lips gave convincing testimony that all the berries had not found their way into the shining pails though the incessant talk and almost incessant laughter were suggestive of a flock of blackbirds and though luncheon turned into a protracted feast which left only crumbs for the ants and squirrels yet the pails filled up before lucy's eyes and when the declining july sun intimated that he for one had done about enough for a day the little group in the berry pasture had reason to be well satisfied with their efforts can't you smell the blackberry jam cooking on friendly terrace day after to-morrow demanded peggy as she stood beaming over the full pails haven't we done splendidly all the others were in a mood equally jubilant lucy haynes looked from one glowing face to another and felt a queer tightening in the muscles of her throat it was not so much their help that touched her she had been helping other people all her life in her grave conscientious fashion but she had always thought of sympathy as a rather sombre thing extended when some one died in the family or on like sorrowful occasions that day she saw it in a different guise smiling radiant something for which one could not say thank you but which warmed one's heart through and through nevertheless she almost forgot to count up what that burying bee would mean to her in dollars and cents it had meant so much more in other things it was a noisy talkative file of girls who having escorted lucy to her home and left the back doorstep covered with berry pails turned their faces toward doolittle cottage the day spent in the open air had made them hungry peggy was invited to divulge her intentions concerning supper and her proposed menu aroused enthusiasm i wonder if aunt abigail has missed us remarked ruth who hated above all things to be left alone for five minutes so that her thoughts had invested aunt abigail's solitude with a pathos which the independent old lady would have instantly resented amy took it on herself to answer no indeed that's the best thing about aunt abigail she likes people and she's always happy in a crowd but she's never lonely when she's by herself if there's something around to read she wouldn't mind if she didn't have anybody to speak to for a week doolittle cottage was in sight by now 
the girl's eyes scanned the porch for a lounging figure absorbed in a book or magazine she isn't outside is she remarked peggy i hope she isn't trying to get supper i hope so too agreed amy fervently i've tried aunt abigail's cooking once or twice whether it was due to hope of arresting aunt abigail's supper preparations before they had gone too far or because of some other undefined anxiety the line advanced on the double quick as they drew nearer the cottage something peculiar in its appearance gradually became evident it had a forsaken look such as it had presented on the day of their arrival peggy was the first to discover the explanation of the mysterious change why she's got all the shutters closed peggy was not mistaken as a rule every door and window in the cottage stood wide open except during heavy storms now its tightly shuttered windows and closed doors gave it the look of being unoccupied surprise and perhaps a vague unformulated anxiety had quickened the lagging feet of the girls so that when they came up the gravel walk leading to the door of the cottage they were almost running peggy who was a little in the lead was the first to reach the door she turned the knob quickly pushed till she was red in the face gave the door a sharp shake and then stood staring blankly it's locked she exclaimed i'll try the back door amy started for the rear of the cottage but the nimble priscilla was ahead of her and when amy came panting to the back doorstep met her with the startling news this is locked too do you suppose she's gone away i don't know where she'd go unless it was to borrow something of mrs snooks amy though puzzled was not really anxious as she was only too familiar with aunt abigail's eccentric possibilities we'll knock as hard as we can she suggested maybe she lay down to take a nap and overslept a vigorous tattoo began forthwith on the back door to be reinforced presently by the ringing of the front doorbell had aunt abigail been a rival of the celebrated seven sleepers the combined tumult would have been pretty sure to arouse her priscilla and amy at length desisted and returning to the front of the house met the other girls coming to the rear by this time every face was anxious there's just a chance that the woodshed door is open said peggy though she's locked everything up so carefully that i don't think it's likely a moment's investigation showed that this door too was firmly bolted and peggy returned to the sober girls grouped under the dining-room window she must have gone somewhere peggy said do you suppose she could have got tired of staying here all day by herself and tried to find us in the pasture and lost her way the suggestion struck a little chill through the listeners the locked house the setting sun the mystery of aunt abigail's disappearance had all combined to dissipate their previous cheerfulness in addition to their anxiety about aunt abigail certain unformulated doubts regarding their chances for supper and bed weighed upon their spirits look cried amy suddenly look and pointed a directing finger upward the shutter of one of the bedroom windows was conducting itself very strangely now opening a trifle and then slamming too as if it had suddenly changed its mind but presently it opened sufficiently wide to give the watchers below a glimpse of snowy hair arranged in a rather elaborate combination of coils and puffs aunt abigail amy shrieked oh aunt abigail her cry was echoed by the voices of the others dorothy's trouble sounding clearly above the rest the shutter opened again and an unmistakable aunt abigail looked down who's there why it's us grammatical accuracy ceases to be important when people are tired and hungry and if the truth must be confessed 
a little out of temper do come down and let us in are you sure there's nobody else the girls looked over their shoulders the gathering dark began to seem unfriendly dorothy hid her face in peggy's skirts why of course there is nobody else here it was amy who gave the answer though her statement ended in an interrogative upward note as if it asked a question then come to the front door aunt abigail's head disappeared and the shutter closed a minute or two later the front door opened just far enough to admit one girl at a time and when a subdued procession had filed in it closed sharply and was locked and bolted without an instant's delay everyone realized that the situation was serious what's happened exclaimed several voices with anxious unanimity while peggy hurried to light the lamp the dreariness of the shuttered house proving depressing to the spirits as well as a practical inconvenience girls aunt abigail spoke with the air of one who realizes the importance of what she has to tell i have had a very singular experience this afternoon i am not a timid woman but i must confess i feel quite upset oh dear i felt all the time as though we shouldn't go off and leave you by yourself cried ruth and the old lady patted her hand as if grateful for the impulsive outburst i got along very well the early part of the day i found some interesting books in the garret and read till nearly two then i made myself a cup of tea and after luncheon i thought i would take a nap the screen doors were shut and hasped but the windows were all open any one could have entered without difficulty even on the memorable evening when she had entertained her listeners with ghost stories aunt abigail's tones had not been more blood-curdling the girls listened with open mouths i was dreaming that i was captured by pirates and one of them had put me in a chest along with some of their booty and was nailing down the lid when i waked i could still hear the hammering and for a moment i didn't know where i was then i realized that someone was knocking and i went to the window and called who is it and what do you want and instantly two tramps appeared the girls uttered an exclamation if only we'd left you hobo peggy cried i'm afraid he wouldn't have been much protection against two such ruffians each one of them carried a heavy stick and i dare say they were armed beside as soon as i saw them i called for them to go away that i had nothing for them but they were bold enough to stay and argue the point what did they say aunt abigail don't ask me i kept my self-possession perfectly but at the same time i was excited and didn't understand what they were saying i presume they were demanding food and money and i kept declaring that i would give them nothing at last they gave up and went off in the direction of mrs snooks and then i rushed downstairs and locked everything up just as you found it it was clear that aunt abigail had found her experience trying she was pale and seemed very unlike her usual composed self conscience stricken over having left her by herself the girls petted her and asked innumerable questions few of which aunt abigail was able to answer but she described her unwelcome callers in detail and peggy found herself thinking that they bore more than a superficial resemblance to the desperadoes of treasure island she could not help wondering if aunt abigail's lively imagination excited first by her reading and then by her vivid dream had not added some touches to the picture well girls peggy said at length in a tone surprisingly matter-of-fact considering the circumstances i guess supper is the next thing of order after we've had something to eat she stopped abruptly a loud knocking at the back door echoed through the cottage amy uttered a scream clapping her hands over her mouth instantly to stifle the sound 
the others instinctively moved closer to one another exchanging frightened glances hobo growled softly the hair on his neck bristling and giving him a peculiarly savage appearance the knocking broke off for a moment and then was resumed they've come back said aunt abigail why perhaps it's only mrs snooks come to borrow something peggy was beginning hopefully when out at the rear of the cottage somebody laughed whatever the cause of the unseemly merriment mrs snooks was not responsible for it peggy's sudden anger went to her head she felt as if she had forgotten the meaning of fear i'm going to tell them she exclaimed that if they don't go away i'll set the dog on them she marched out into the kitchen hobo following and as she reached the door the knocking began for the third time if you don't go away shouted peggy through the keyhole my dog a burst of laughter interrupted her oh come off peggy raymond cried a voice outside open this door quick if you know what's best for yourself peggy's cry of joy was echoed by a rapturous shriek from ruth for the girls had courageously followed peggy as she advanced to hold parley with the besiegers with an air of resolute determination worthy of joan of arc peggy fumbled at locks bolts and catches for aunt abigail had neglected no precaution and the instant the door was opened ruth threw herself into the arms of a tall young fellow who walked in with the air of thinking that it was high time for him to be accorded the privilege oh graham i never was so glad to see anybody some tramps scared us almost to death tramps oh nonsense returned graham with a collegian's instant readiness to belittle the fears of his feminine relatives come on in jack it seems to be safe you know jack rinson he added over his sister's shoulder to peggy who nodded in turn to shake hands with another young man who seemed a little uncertain as to his welcome but unmindful of her manners ruth was protesting it isn't nonsense graham it's true two tramps were here this afternoon shouting all kinds of threats at aunt abigail tramps repeated graham and glanced at his friend what sort of looking tramps were they oh perfectly villainous and each one had a great club of some sort and a bundle on his back graham broke into a roar of laughter in which jack renson joined though it should be reckoned to the latter's credit that he was making an evident effort not to seem amused talk of the journalistic imagination shouted graham why jack you newspaper fellows could get all sorts of points from these girls we were the tramps ruth so much obliged for your kind comments on our personal appearance gradually graham's incredulous listeners were driven to accept his assurance the arrival of the two young men when aunt abigail's thoughts were full of the horrors of her dream had led her to see the good-looking boys equipped with packs and walking-sticks in a most sinister light the tramps were taken into the front room and introduced hobo who had all of a dog's intuitive suspicion of old clothes sniffing disapprovingly at their heels the laugh was against aunt abigail as she herself owned i would have taken my oath she remarked reflectively that one of you had only one eye and a scar that ran the length of his cheek it shows that even if i'm not as young as i was my imagination is still active but you had packs on your backs what has become of the clubs and packs graham explained that they had taken rooms at a farmhouse a little way down the road and had left their belongings there we're out for a long tramp graham explained we mean to make several stops of a few days each and we didn't know any better place to begin than right here are you staying with mrs cole asked peggy and graham shook his head no the name wasn't co it was let's see jack rinson helped him out snooks i believe 
that's it mrs snooks agreed graham and then looked about him astonished for the entire company including aunt abigail was helpless with laughter she'll borrow your walking-stick for a clothes-pole said peggy when she was able to speak and your pack for a footstool she'll borrow everything you've got and then be provoked because you haven't more it is a question whether anybody would have thought of supper if it had not been for dorothy who retired into her corner to weep questioned regarding her tears she replied that she wanted her mother homesick someone said significantly hungry cried peggy with one of her flashes of intuition and what wonder just look at the clock girls let's see how quick we can get something ready the meal though less ambitious than that which peggy had originally planned was satisfying and it was not till the next day that the girls learned that the two young men who did such abundant justice to the bounty of dolittle cottage had eaten another supper at mrs snooks a little over an hour earlier End of chapter seven